Pastor Will Baker is uh, at uh, Mount Olive Baptist Church in Rankin, and uh, he's a recent grad of RPTS, and uh, we are anxious to hear what the Lord has to say through you tonight. So, Amen. welcome. Thank you. Good evening, City Reform. It is good to be with you, good to be in the presence of my father's children. I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters at the Mount Olive Baptist Church in Rankin. Um, and uh, we pray for you this morning and pray for uh, this worship experience. So it's good to be here. Amen. Amen. Have with me uh, one of the deacons from the church, Deacon Gerald Smith. And uh, at some point in worship, I saw my tribe come in and... and I thought they were staying home, but they came and visited. So I have my wife, Denise, and my three sons, Uriah, Noah, and William with us. So it's good to be here. Thank God for uh, the invitation from uh, John. And, uh, and I know how much this church has meant to him and Alicia and their family. And I thank God because I, mean, I don't know if you remember this, Matt, but we've like run into each other about like 10 times, like just randomly. I've seen him in different places, and, and I've heard about the good things that God's doing at this church, and I said, man, this must be a great church, because any church that has a pastor with a beard like that, you know, <laughs> just, he's just got to be anointed. He looks, he, you know, I, can, I can't grow up there, so I'm, I'm, I'm envious, but uh, there is a word from the Lord, amen, found in Psalm uh, chapter 3, Psalm, book of Psalms chapter 3. And uh, beginning at verse one, we have a psalm of David as he is fleeing from his son Absalom, who seeks to usurp his father and take his throne. I want to reflect about uh, what we do when we are being attacked by enemies. I don't know about you, but I've had enemies in my life, and. Uh, the Christian life is not a life without enemies. I know there are some who say that when you become a Christian, you'll be too blessed to be stressed and you will walk in health, healing, and prosperity. But from Old to New Testament, God's people have enemies. And uh, I believe we get a glimpse in the poetry of David about what the believer is supposed to do when surrounded by enemies. Hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 3 and verse 1. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, are, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill, Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you, for, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. 
Selah, this is the word of the Lord. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, your word is a light to our feet, lamp to our pathway. Would you now, Lord God, give us insight into your word by your spirit's power, that we might not be only hearers of your word, but doers when we leave this place. This we pray in the strong name of Jesus, and all who love him said amen. Amen. David is by no means in scripture a portrait of moral perfection. David's important, but David's got problems. David was a murderer. David was an adulterer. And preceding the context of of the the, the psalm and the the context of the situation in which David writes this psalm, we see the portrait of David as a bit of an absentee father. One who is not taking the affairs, taking care of the affairs of his household. Yet, in all of David's failures, in all of David's flaws, David is still called in scripture a man who is like the apple of God's eye. He is a man after God's own heart. What distinguishes David from his contemporaries? Not much, but maybe this. That whether it was his failures or whether he was surrounded by the attack of enemies, David looked to God as his salvation. David trusted that his salvation comes only from the Lord. When others like Saul turned to other means to save themselves, David looked to the Lord as his rock and his salvation in the time of need. In today's text, it is said that this is a psalm written by David as he, when he fled from Absalom, his son, when he, he fled from the face of his son Absalom as he seeks to usurp his father and take his throne. Absalom may be dealing with some unresolved issues as he may still be angry with David for not dealing with the issues in his household when David's son Ammon raped his daughter Tamar. Absalom dealt with that situation by himself. He brought justice as he saw fit. And now as he returns to his father's house, he does not seem to have resolved the issue. But Absalom wants his father's throne and he has seduced the hearts of the men of Israel to come behind him. And David is on the run fleeing the attack of his own child. Friends. We all know what it means to have enemies. But could you imagine David looking in the face of his son coming to attack him, coming to murder him? I would suggest that we've not seen, David did not have an enemy greater than this. Goliath was mean, but his heart broke as his son came to get him. Saul was his mentor and his father-in-law, but, 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 but I don't know if David ever really recovered from the hurt of being betrayed by his son. David is fleeing, and he writes this song from the one who may be his worst enemy. And David gives us insight 
of what we might do as believers when we, in order to seek and trust the salvation of God when we are surrounded by enemies. I don't know about you, but in my life, I've had some enemies. In fact, you may be feel in your life that you are surrounded by enemies right this very hour. What do you do when your enemies surround you? David calls us and calls every believer to trust in the salvation of God when there seems to be no deliverance from the enemies that surround us. Three things I'd like to lift to you from the text, and I'll be out of your way, about how to trust God when you are surrounded by enemies. Number one, you've, you, cannot believe the, the, you cannot believe the words of your enemies. You cannot believe the lies of the enemy. Number two, you must remember God's salvation in the past. And you must declare God's salvation in the present. Number one, you cannot believe the lies of the enemy. Look at verses one and two again. Uh, David writes, oh Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. David is on the run from Absalom, as we've said, and, and you've got to understand how Absalom got so much power that he could contest the very king of Israel, his father. The text in 2 Samuel 15 tells us that Absalom would go out to the gate and he would, he would seduce the hearts of the men of Israel by seeking to care for them, seeking to listen to them and making them believe that he cared more about their lives and more about their concerns than the king of Israel did. Here, what, what, what the, the, the writer of, of 2 Samuel says in verse 12b into 13 about how Absalom won the hearts of the men of Israel. He says, and the conspiracy grew strong and the people with Absalom kept increasing. And the messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. The king has lost the strength of his kingdom. And Absalom is coming after him. And as he runs, all David can say is that there are many enemies coming against me. Not only are there already many enemies who've revealed themselves, but they're rising up as he flees. He's getting report of people who he trusted and people who were his counselors now turning on him and running toward their, his son who seems to have the power. David, they're saying to David, not only do we have the numbers, but there is no place for you to run, David, for there is no salvation for you in God. That's why you can't believe the lies of the enemy. For your enemies seek to sell you that one lie, that there is no salvation for you and your life in God. If it's the external enemy, maybe like Goliath, Goliath was challenging the power and potency of God to deliver them from the great gladiator Goliath in war. And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who challenges the armies of the living God? But this is not an external enemy. This is an internal enemy. This is an intimate enemy. And he's not saying so much. Absalom and his crew are not saying so much, I believe, Pastor, to David, that, 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 that God does not have the power to save you. Rather, he's saying God does not have the will to save you. Not that God can't save you, but God won't save 
you. As if God has moved his anointing from David onto Absalom. And God, David, for some reason has been forsaken by God. But David will not believe the lie of the enemy because he knows he is God's anointed. He knows he is God's chosen. He knows he, he is under God's blessing. And as he flees, he knows that he cannot believe the lie of the enemy for in his life, he has only known salvation to come from God. Brothers and sisters, is that your confession when you are hearing the lies of the enemy that there is no salvation for you? Is that your conviction that I will not believe the lie of the enemy, but I will trust in the Lord until I die? There are some of us who just need to get rid of the, who need to distance ourselves from the words of the enemies in our lives. There's some emails from enemies on your, on, your, uh, on your email that you need to go home and delete because you do not need to believe the lie of the enemy. There, there are some, some messages on social media. There's some conversations that, that sarcastic remarks have been made to make you believe that, that this is, there is no salvation in this challenge, in this test, in this attack from your enemy. See, your enemies, friends, want you to doubt the salvation of God. But you must reject the lies of the enemy because you know who God is and know that salvation only comes from him. You can do that if secondly, not only you don't listen to the lies of the enemy, but you remember the salvation of the Lord in the past. Verses three through six, where I find this, David says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. The, in the Hebrew, the, the, predominant, the predominant tense is the perfect tense. Essentially, David looks at what God has already done, God's completed action in his life to get a perspective about what God is going to do in his present circumstances in his life. And was David reflects upon God's faithfulness to him, uh, city reform, David says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Do you know the God in that way? David says, this is not my first time around the block. This is not the first time I've been in contact with enemies. David says, I've had enemies all around me. I've had enemies all on top of me. I've had enemies all up under me. And I found that no matter how the enemies have shot their arrows at me, God has been a shield all about me. And then David says in verse 4, I cried aloud to the Lord. Sorry, sorry. In verse 3b, he says, my glory and the lifter of my head. David says, not only have I had God's protection, but God has lifted me from the pits of life. Uh, maybe it is when he is in a cave surrounded by, by, by men who seem to be worthless to his cause. Maybe it's when he, is, when he is being chased by Saul. Maybe it is when he is in depression because of his sin against God with Bathsheba and that their child, their child's life is on the line. But David says, God has been his glory and the lifter of his head. You do know what glory is. Glory is, is, is everything beautiful about you. Glory is everything strong and mighty about you. Glory is what you look like on Easter Sunday. Glory is, is you at your best. And David says, I am not my own glory, but God is the glory and the lifter of my head. God is the one who has picked me up from the depths and lifted me up high to sit as king on the throne of Israel. 
David says, I remember what God has done. He's been my protector. He's been my lifter. And he said, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. David says, I've been to Mount Zion. I've been to in front of the Ark of the Covenant. I've sought God in Jerusalem. And when I've been in, uh, uh, attacked by enemies, God has answered me in prayer. God has answered David, he has been his protection. He has been his lifter. He has answered his petition. And then David says, I I've been in contact with enemies and I've seen God protect me, lift me and answer me. But if I just reflect upon last night's sleep, I can still say God has been good to me. That God has watched over me. God has been faithful to me. David says when I in verse 5, I lay down and slept and I woke up again, for the Lord sustained me. Verse 6, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I don't know about you, but when the alarm clock goes off at 4.30, I'm at the age now where I just sit at the edge of the bed and, and try to remember what day of the week it is. And David says, when I'm in that position, it is God who raised me up. It is God who watched over me and it is God who stood me up for, the, for this day's journey and it'll be God who protects me and delivers me from this trial. Simply, said, simply put, David says, if he did it before, he can do it again. David looks to God's salvation in the past to give him courage for God's deliverance in his present predicament. Are you trusting God in that way? Some of you know him well enough that this is not your first rodeo. You've seen God deliver you time and time again. Pastor, you've been through trials over the years in this church and God has come through time and again. You've seen how God has taken this congregation and taken your lives from strength to strength and glory to glory. You can say that my God has been my salvation in the past. So he will be the one that I trust to be my salvation today. We cannot trust the lives of the enemies. We must remember who, how God has saved us in the past. And finally, we must declare God's salvation in the present. Verses 7 through 8. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. David is fleeing from Absalom. And it's not that he doesn't have to do anything to prepare for battle. He will have to confront this brokenness with his son. He will have to look in the face of his enemies. But he says, if I will have the strength to do what I need to do, if I will have the strength to find the victory of God in this challenge, it will come because God strengthens me. God fights my battle. God strikes my enemy on the cheek. God takes the sting out of my enemy's bite. Because he breaks my enemy's teeth. Friend, we can pray that today. That God be our deliverer when our enemies attack us. David trusts wholly in the salvation of the Lord, even in the face of the attack from his son. If you read the story of Absalom's attack on David in 2 Samuel, David prepares for battle, but it is if God brings the victory and lets it right on his lap. 
David has a spy in the court of Absalom who, who sends back report when the enemy is coming to attack. And then on the way, uh, then as Absalom goes on the way to find his father and kill him, for he knows if he gets rid of David, he has the whole kingdom. Uh, Absalom's glory, his beautiful hair gets, becomes his folly and he gets caught up in a tree and can't get loose. Someone sees him, reports to Joab, Joab come and slays, uh, slays Absalom and David has not picked up a sword because God has put the victory right in his lap. That may be how God moves in some of our lives, but it may not be. But if God is on our side, we can face any adversary. As David says, I will not fear 10,000 of people, an innumerable number of enemies. I will not be afraid if God is on my side. But I think the challenge of the text is to locate when does David begin to declare the victory of God of his life, over his life. See, many of us can declare God's victory when all the money comes in for at the end of the month. Many of us can declare God's victory when we get a positive report from the doctor. Many of us can declare God's victory when our child actually makes it through university. But what do you do when you're in the doctor's office and they tell you that you have a sickness? Or what do you do when you are at the end of the month and you don't have enough money to meet it? Well, what do you do when you are in the middle of problems in your marriage? Friends, I think David challenges us to declare the salvation of the Lord while we are in the very midst of our storm, while we are under, under the attack of the enemy. Remember again, when does David write this? In the beginning of, of, of Psalm 3, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom. David declares the victory of God at the beginning of the attack of the enemy on his life. Friends, we are called to declare the victory of God even when it seems that the Lord has, is not coming because the Lord has already come. The Lord has already revealed himself to us and the Lord is our salvation. That is where we see Jesus in the text. In the text, uh, Dave, God's faithfulness to David is not based upon David's righteousness, on David's moral character, on David doing everything right. God's, God's faithfulness to David is dependent on God's own faithfulness to David. God has chosen David. God has anointed David. God then will protect David and God will protect you. Through faith in the Son of God who, was, who died for our sins and rose from the dead for our union and, and reconciliation with God for eternity has, has taken you from the enemy of Satan, sin, and this world to give you life eternal with God as your home. That same God will guide by his Spirit's power every other aspect of your life and be with you until he comes to reign forever and ever. Friends, we must declare the salvation of the Lord in the face of our enemies. For salvation belongs to the Lord and his blessing is upon his people. If we were in a Baptist church, I'd tell you, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, <laughs> tell your neighbor you're blessed. You want to try it? We can, maybe, maybe not. Okay, all right. <laughs> the blessing of the Lord is upon you, not because of what you have done, 
but because what Christ has done for you. His blessing will shield you and will lead you and will guide you and will protect you and will lift you by the power of his spirit. My mom used to sing a song that sums up the message of this text for me. It just went like this. Where do I go where there's no one else to run to? And who do I talk to when no one wants to listen? And who do I lean on when there's no foundation stable? I know that he's able. I go to the rock. I know that he's able. I go to the rock. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain and the mountain stands by me. And when the earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. I go to Christ, who is my salvation, even when enemies surround me. Will you pray with me?